Time once again for the Bama Online Podcast. This one's set to drop on a Wednesday afternoon. January the 26th, 2022, Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. Back with you here on the podcast, which if you haven't subscribed to the Bama Online Podcast, what's the deal? Come on, let's make that happen. Simple as a click or two. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're doing that, that would help us out tremendously as well. Again, so much to talk about on a Wednesday afternoon. Roster attrition once again involving the Alabama football team. We'll get into that. We'll talk some Alabama men's basketball. Not a very cheerful update for Nate Oates' team following its defeat at the hands of previously winless in the SEC Georgia on Tuesday night. The Crimson Tide falls flat on the road in Athens. We'll get into some of that and we'll continue to have some fun off-season fun where Nick Saban's six national championship teams at Alabama are concerned. We're going to take another look at a positional room during those six national championship runs, and we'll rank them. We'll give them a ranking. We did it with running backs last week, had some fun with that. We'll do it with inside linebackers this time around. Man, you had some players at that inside linebacker spots on those six national championship teams. Rolando McClain, Dante Hightower, C.J. Mosley, Reuben Foster, Reggie Raglan, Rashawn Evans. Wow. list just goes on and on and on. But we'll start with the news that Kamar Wheaton, the first-year running back at Alabama, expected to move on. Now, you had the report on Tuesday from Chris Hummer, national college football writer for us, at 247sports.com that Kamar Wheaton was not enrolled at UA for the spring semester. Kamar, of course, had a knee injury in the fall, really a non-factor as a true freshman at a position that really needed it because of injuries that UA accumulated at the spot throughout the season. Early October, Jason McClellan goes down with an ACL injury. Mid-November, Roy Dell Williams goes down with an ACL injury. And then you've got Brian Robinson late in the regular season into the SEC championship game dealing with a nagging injury. So Trey Sanders stepped up, and he'll be asked to do more of that in the offseason and really into spring drills because you're going to be contemplating the availability of Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Williams. You would think Jace is a little bit farther along in his return because the time frame of his injury, he was injured earlier in the season than Roy Dell. But all of these situations are different, as we know, so we'll see how that plays out as we get closer to the start of spring drills in March. But Alabama also adding, in addition to Jameer Gibbs, Jamarian Miller, another Texan who has already enrolled as a member of the 2022 signing class, Emmanuel Henderson, the five-star from Hartford, Alabama. He will enroll this summer, so he will not be available for spring drills. But when you do the math on it as it sits right now, Gibbs, Trey Sanders, McClellan, Williams, Miller, Henderson, you project as it sits right now to have six scholarship backs on campus this summer and then heading into the fall. Is it possible Alabama could look here in the latter stages of the 2022 cycle to add another player at the position? Maybe. Could it be that Nick Saban goes back to the transfer portal, shops a little bit more at that position? Perhaps, but I don't view Nick Saban 
as this sort of Costco shopper where the transfer portal is concerned. I think he's more of a fresh market guy. In other words, if he needs an ingredient at a position or two, he's going for quality more so than quantity. I understand some situations like LSU when you have coaching turnover, roster turnover to the extent that, say, LSU and some other places have had, you got to go Costco, you know, on the portal. Uh, but Alabama obviously not in that position. But we'll see how it plays out moving forward with Kamar Wheaton moving on from the Alabama program. And you speak of additions, sort of a 180 to the departure talk with Wheaton. Speaking of additions for this 2022 recruiting cycle, on Wednesday you saw quarterback Ty Simpson, linebacker Jahad Campbell, and offensive tackle Elijah Pritchett all pick up their fifth stars from 24-7 sports. Pritchett's still a four-star where the 24-7 sports composite rankings are concerned, while Campbell and Simpson are both five stars from the composite perspective as well. But Pritchett, clearly a promising prospect at a position Alabama needs to identify and develop a couple of starters for the 2022 season, right tackle and left tackle for Alabama in 2022. Simpson and Campbell have already enrolled at Alabama. So they're joined, they have already joined fellow five-star Jeremiah Alexander, the outstanding edge defender from Thompson High School in the Birmingham area on campus, those three, in time for 2022 spring drills. From a coaching perspective, it's been somewhat quiet Although you saw the big news on Tuesday with Sean Payton leaving the New Orleans Saints. So still have some dominoes that are falling in the National Football League and how that could impact even the collegiate level. We'll continue to monitor, uh, but nothing new to report as of Wednesday afternoon where Alabama's coaching staff situation is concerned. You had already heard about Coleman Hutzler coming over from Ole Miss. Uh, You'd already heard about Traveris Robinson joining the staff on the defensive side of the ball, previously of Miami, South Carolina, Florida. So many ties to the Southeastern Conference. Really, for both those guys, they actually work together at South Carolina and Florida. So we'll continue to monitor things for you there at BamaOnline.com, where the coaching carousel is concerned as well. All right. We got to do it. We got to talk some Alabama men's basketball on the heels of the Crimson Tide's ultra disappointing six point loss to the Georgia Bulldogs on Tuesday night at a largely empty Stegman Coliseum. Why would it be packed? I mean, we're talking about a Georgia team that came in with a four and 15 overall record, 0 and 6 in the Southeastern Conference, but Alabama, more than a gracious visitor committing 19 turnovers. Alabama outscored 23-14 to off turnovers in the game. 23 fouls whistled on Alabama. That helped Georgia to an 11-point advantage from the free throw line. Alabama of late had benefited from the free throw line, making on average 29 trips per game over a four-contest span. Not so much on Tuesday night in Athens. Georgia in the second half alone on Tuesday night, 20 of 23 from the free throw line. And with Javon Quinterly struggling, Alabama's bench was outscored 29 to 18. Alabama did win the battle of the boards from a rebounding perspective. No surprise, though, considering Georgia 
is the worst rebounding team in the Southeastern Conference. And you had another starting lineup for Nate Oates in Athens. This one featuring James Rojas getting the start at the four to go along with Charles Bediaco at the five. Um, you had JD starting over Quinterly once again at the point. Keon Ellis, and then, of course, Jaden Shackelford with yet another 20-point performance for Shaq. But, you know, you watch this team, and it just doesn't elicit a feeling of trust. And when I say that, I'm not talking so much just about, you know, how these guys play with each other. I'm talking about on an individual basis, and then that extends into situational play. You see too many of these guys, and I know offensively some of the numbers still look good. You look at scoring per game, those type of things. Alabama still at or near the top of the SEC standings in that regard. But you still got guys that turn down open threes. And that in this offense and with this philosophy of Nate Oates's, that in and of itself is a mistake. And then the mistake gets compounded when the open threes or the open looks are turned down, almost immediately those mistakes turn into turnovers or contested shots that have little chance of going in the hoop. You know, it's great that they've gotten to the line a good bit, but it almost seems like they're hoping to get bailed out more than they are to step up and hit open shots. And Nate, he continues to talk about wanting more effort, but sometimes, you know, you've got guys who really believe they're giving you their very best effort. Even if you show them instances where, hey, could have gotten on the four here, extended a possession with a little more urgency there, in real time, sometimes you got guys that truly feel like they're giving more than just what's required. And for Nate Oates, it doesn't mean you stop trying to get more out of it from them from an energy and effort perspective. But once players are two, three, four years into the college game, it usually is what it is from that standpoint. And it's not a surprise in all likelihood to the coaches. I mean, these are things that typically show up in the recruiting prospect process. And there's give and take both ways. You know, this guy isn't as skilled or offensively proficient as we'd like. But he's always going to get in a defensive stance. And if there's a 50-50 ball to win or a charge to take, he's going to do those things. And I'm a big fan of those attributes, those gluey attributes. But you can't have 12 guys on scholarship, and that's the extent of what they give you. You still got to have skilled guys who are first and foremost offensive threats. Problem is, for those guys a lot of times, when the offense isn't there, what are you left with? Probably not much in the way of the aforementioned gluey, gluey type attributes. That was the beauty of a guy like Herb Jones. And I don't want to revisit that too much because it doesn't have much relevance to this team other than Alabama doesn't have enough of what Herb brought. Okay, Keon brings some of it. So does James Rojas. But Herb did it while being able to guard one through five, something this team doesn't do nearly well enough either when we're talking about just defensive principles in general. And bottom line, you had the lead with under four to go and you couldn't close out the worst team in the league, even on the road, okay? Understanding the game's on the road. You didn't have a crowd of 7,000 there on Tuesday night. You got to close out that Georgia team, especially when you open the half with a three-point play by J.D. Davison that puts you up nine, You're in a great spot 
and you still can't get the job done. From an injury perspective, no Jawan Gary once again on Tuesday night continues to sit out with that facial contusion that he sustained a couple of games ago. Scary moment there in the second half with Darius Miles with the knee injury. That looked like the classic ACL after the game. Nate called it a hyperextension. Also added that an MRI was expected to be conducted once the team got back to Tuscaloosa. So we'll continue to keep that situation monitored with Darius Miles. Nate, in those post-game comments, in terms of just a evaluation of the knee by the training staff, the medical staff on hand there in Athens, didn't think there was structural damage to the knee of Darius Miles, but uh, we'll continue to keep you updated on that as well. So up next for Alabama, it's just a visit from fourth-ranked Baylor, the defending national champions. And then, oh, by the way, midweek, next week, you go to current number one Auburn, and then you round out next week with a visit from a Kentucky team that is certainly of top 12, top 10 kind of caliber. So you might be having a case where this Alabama team is concerned, though, how it plays up and down to competition. Hey, maybe Alabama has it right where they want it, you know, with Baylor, Auburn, and Kentucky coming up in succession. No true stars from last year's national championship team on this Baylor club. No Jared Butler, no Macy Oteague, no Davion Mitchell. But Coach Scott Drew has more than kept the Bears relevant on the national scene. With the backcourt essentially starting over from last season, Arizona transfer James Akinjo has been a really good player on the ball. He's averaging 13 points and five assists per game. The concern there is... Akinjo is dealing with a bruised tailbone that has kept him out of two of the last three games, including Tuesday night's win over Kansas State. So you still bring back LJ Cryer, a rotational player at the guard position from a year ago. He shoots the three at 47%. You got a five-star freshman wing in Kendall Brown that is averaging 10 points and four rebounds per game. A couple important post pieces from that national championship team a year ago. Flo Thamba is a starter in the post for Baylor from a year ago. Jonathan Chamwa Chachuwu is also back in the post for the Baylor Bears. And so the calling card for this Baylor program, though, continues to be defense, where right now the Bears are keeping opponents on the season under 60 points per game, held K-State to just 49 in a win on Tuesday night. Baylor can shoot the three, but they have guys that will look to get into the paint and see if UA can do a better job of defending on the ball than it certainly did in Athens. So as a part of the big SEC Big 12 Challenge, it will be Baylor and Alabama set for Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central from Coleman Coliseum. That game will air on ESPN. And again, Maybe this is just what this Alabama team needs this upcoming stretch because Alabama is 4-1 in games against ranked opponents this season, just 9-6 against the teams that are unranked. All right, let's get into ranking some inside linebacker rooms from Nick Saban's six national championship teams at the University of Alabama. This will be a lot of fun. We did the running backs last time around, so if you missed that, Just go to our archives there, wherever you consume the Bama Online Podcast, you'll find it. 
And we took a look at those running back rooms last time around. This time, inside linebackers. I'm going to start at six. We'll go from low to high or high to low, whatever that is. We'll end up with the top-ranked inside linebacker room of the Nick Saban era where national championship teams are concerned when we wrap this thing up. Number six, I'll go 2020. Dylan Moses and Christian Harris, your two primary guys at the inside spots. You know, Dylan, we would find out after the fact, even with what he was dealing with coming off the injury situations uh, from the previous season, then dealt another injury in season in 2020, just never was able to play up to his full potential. And even with that, he led Alabama in tackles with 80, had six and a half tackles for loss, three pass breakups, Uh, Also had an interception in a win over Mississippi State. Christian Harris, second on the team in tackles in 2020 at the weak side spot. 79 stops, seven for loss, four and a half sacks. He, too, had an interception in 2020. You might recall that. That was in coverage uh, against Notre Dame in the Rose Bowl semifinal that was actually played in Arlington, Texas. Jalen Moody, kind of your third guy. In 2020, had 18 total tackles. Jalen filled in for Christian at Arkansas and had a very strong performance in that one. So number six among the inside linebacker rooms for Nick Saban's national championship teams at Alabama, we'll go with the 2020 group. Number five, 2012. Now, C.J. Mosley, if we talk again about individual efforts from players mentioned on this list cj would be right there with orlando mcclain uh be mentioned right there with reuben foster cj in 2012 had taken on more of that every down role 2010 as a true freshman 2011 more of a situational guy but as that every down mike and that mac linebacker in the dime cj with 107 total tackles in 2012 eight of those for loss four sacks couple of pass breakups, and most memorable for me anyway, that season where C.J. Mosley is concerned is the deflection he had very late in the SEC championship game win over Georgia where it looked like Georgia was very much on the verge of going ahead and scoring there in the final seconds and knocking off Alabama in what was essentially – I know people referred to it as a national semifinal, but given that the winner was getting Notre Dame in the uh, BCS National Championship game next, that was the national championship game in 2012. But CJ got a piece of the uh, the pass from Aaron Murray that was then caught in bounds, and with Georgia out of timeouts, clock runs out on the dogs, and Alabama goes on to win a national championship. Also had Trey DePriest, Uh, in that mix with C.J. at inside linebacker, along with Nico Johnson. Now, you look at C.J.'s numbers in comparison to the rest of the Alabama defense that season, and, you know, DePriest was second on the team in tackles, and he had 59, so C.J. nearly doubled the output of Trey DePriest, but Nico Johnson also had 55, so you had sort of a platoon situation there with DePriest and Nico Johnson, and they combined for – 114 tackles to go along with CJ's 107. Fifth, I've got the 2012 group. Number four on this list, I went 2017. Rashawn Evans, as you might recall, 2017, really from the opener against Florida State in Atlanta, right on through 
the end of the regular season just had an injury plague season for Alabama linebackers, both inside and outside. But Rashawn, uh, you know, he was injured in that opener against Florida State as well. He missed a couple of games after that in September. Still had 74 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, six sacks, seven quarterback hurries, and three pass breakups. Uh, you know, Rashawn, one of the inside linebackers that we've seen in the Saban era that in passing situations, more so than being a coverage guy, you would see Rashawn utilized as a pass rusher, kick out to the edge some, do some different things with him in bringing him in the pass rush. Uh, and that probably was foretelling of what was going to be the expectation of him maybe in his NFL career. It hasn't really played out that way. And because of that, because Rashawn wasn't much of a coverage guy, it's become a little bit of a liability for him with the Tennessee Titans. In fact, you didn't see Rashawn active for the Titans' playoff loss against the Cincinnati Bengals in the divisional round last weekend. But very good 2017 for Rashawn Evans. Sean Dion Hamilton, also a part of that group. He went out against LSU, as I'm sure you recall, uh, late later in the regular season in 2017. Mac Wilson was injured in that LSU game. So by the time this team or that team in 2017 went to Mississippi State, you were getting into Keith Holcomb. You were trying to do some things with Dylan Moses as a true freshman. Um, it was a tough situation there later in the season that made it work down the stretch. And by the time the 2017 team saw Georgia in that college football playoff national championship game, you had a nice duo back on the field with Mac Wilson and Rashawn Evans. Number three on this list, I went 2015. Reggie Raglan leading the way with 102 tackles, six and a half for a loss, two and a half sacks, seven pass breakups, six quarterback hurries, two forced fumbles. Had Reuben Foster working a lot with uh, Reggie Raglan in 2015. Uh, Ruben had 73 tackles that season, including nine in the national championship game win over Clemson in Glendale, Arizona. Ruben had eight tackles for loss, nine pass breakups. And so very productive for Ruben Foster as he took that step or two in becoming the every down fixture uh, in 2016. Sean Dion Hamilton in 2015 27 tackles, one and a half for loss. Unfortunately for Sean Dion Hamilton, uh, as good as he was, just multiple injuries, uh, problematic for Sean in his UA career. Number two on the list, we go 2011 with Dante Hightower leading the way for that outstanding 2011 defense. 85 tackles for Dante, 11 for loss, four sacks, three pass breakups, seven quarterback hurries. Dante, along the lines of what we talked about with Rashawn Evans and how he was utilized inside in early downs, maybe more base, uh, some nickel, and then in dime rabbits, you would see Dante kick out some and come off the edge in the pass rush. Nico Johnson and C.J. Mosley splitting time. But uh, to go along with Dante Hightower, again, CJ more of a situational guy. Nico more of a base and early down guys. Nico with 46 tackles in 2011, including 11 against LSU in the first of two meetings with the Tigers 
that season. Six and a half tackles for loss, three pass breakups. Dante really took a big step. Remember the injury early in the 2009 season with the significant knee injury for Dante Hightower. 2010, he wasn't himself, as you might recall. And then after having more time between himself and that injury in 2009, you definitely saw more of the Dante Hightower you expected to see uh, in 2011. And really, if not for the knee injury in 2009, there wouldn't have been a 2011 season for Dante Hightower at Alabama. He was very much tracking on that three and out sort of departure uh, had the injury not occurred in 2009, 2010, likely his last season. You could say the same for a guy like Mark Barron. You know, he had the injury against Auburn late in the 2010 season uh, that probably went a long way in bringing him back and what proved to be, again, a defense for all time in 2011. Number one on my list of inside linebacker rooms for the Nick Saban era, when you're talking about national championship teams, I went 2009. I'm not going against Rolando McClain. You're going to tell Rolando McClain his room isn't at the top of this list? I'm not. Rolando, of course, the Buckus Award winner in 2009. 104 tackles, 14 of those for loss. Um, four sacks, two interceptions, five pass breakups, and 14 quarterback hurries for Orlando McClain in 2009. You had Dante Hightower early in the 2009 season, and as good as this group was, think about if you get a fully healthy Dante for the entirety of the 2009 season, but unfortunately Hightower went out with that knee injury on a cut block uh, against Arkansas in week four. He had 16 tackles, including four for loss, through three, not quite three and a half games. So again, Dante was very much on his way to a big sophomore campaign. Give Corey Reamer credit in 2009. More of a strong strong side linebacker starter, uh, but he had to become more involved with Dante going out. And he produced 50 tackles, seven tackles for loss, um, two sacks, three pass breakups, three quarterback hurries for the Hoover product. Corey Reamer. You also had Nico Johnson as a freshman in 2009 give you 28 tackles, four and a half for loss, and two pass breakups. Now, as we did with the running backs, you like to consider even the non-national championship teams of the Nick Saban era at Alabama when you look at these positional rooms. And boy, 2016 uh, with, with Ruben, Foster and Sean Dion Hamilton. Unfortunately, Sean had, we talk about the injuries with Sean, he had the injury against Florida in the SEC championship game. And it was another one of those what ifs when you think about the 2016 defense to go along with Eddie Jackson going down to injury. And then you come up short in the final seconds against Deshaun Watson and Clemson, and you don't have a couple of those guys uh, to, to help you get it done defensively. I'll tell you, 2008 with Rolando and Dante Hightower as a true freshman, that was a nice interior duo. Although Dante, because of how he was used in high school, he was used more as an athlete. We talked about this on the podcast in the past. You know, Dante Hightower returned punts in high school. When you think about that now, it's kind of ridiculous. But he was that sort of all-around athlete, kind of like Christian Harris, I guess you know, in his high school career, but Dante was still learning. I remember going out 
to one of the very early media viewing periods in fall camp 2018. And Kevin Steele was coaching the inside linebackers at the time. And he was literally in individual drills still showing Dante the proper stance, some of the most fundamental aspects of linebacker play Dante was was going through at that point. And for him to perform at the level he did uh, as a true freshman in 2008, it helped. Certainly it helped when you got Rolando next to him. And Rolando was the every-down guy, but uh, very nice duo there. Again, 2010, Dante wasn't himself coming off that knee injury. It wasn't as simple as just an ACL for Dante with that injury. So obviously not himself. CJ came in as a true freshman in 2010 and talk about media viewing periods and initial impressions, just looking at CJ and thinking, now this guy's only about 6'2", 205. I just don't see him having a big impact on the defense as a true freshman. But, man, he showed you those coverage abilities uh, very quickly. And with Dante limited – uh, and, and needing more of a guy that could play that Mac position in the dime, uh, CJ was able to do that very quickly. You probably recall he had the he had the interception against Florida that he returned for a touchdown. That was a week before Alabama went to South Carolina and took one on the nose there. But CJ quickly making an impression in 2010 to go along with Nico Johnson as a sophomore. 2013. You know, it's kind of similar to what you saw in 2012. CJ with a huge year uh, in his final season in the program. Trey DePriest, Reggie Ragland kind of helping out there. You know, 2014, you had a combination of DePriest, Reggie, Reuben Foster. 2018, I don't want to go as far as to say it was just an outright disappointment, but I don't think that season lived up to the expectations that a lot of folks certainly had of Mac Wilson. You know, Dylan Moses in his second year in the program was the better of the two at those inside positions. 2019, you were just forced to go with so much youth with Christian Harris and Shane Lee as true freshmen. Speaking of which, Shane Lee, as we've learned here in the last few days, uh, has found his next home. Shane Lee going from Alabama to Southern California. That's a pretty good uniform swap. You know, if you're going to transfer – we could probably come up with an all-uniform team for the transfer portal, guys who go from one uniform to another. You go from Alabama's to USC's, that's a couple of, uh, couple of iconic sets of threads when you talk about the Crimson Tide and the Trojans. And then 2021 here most recently with Henry Toa Toa and Christian Harris. So, We consider all those. It's interesting. It's fun to look back upon. It's amazing that you're able to formulate these kind of rankings because a team and a program under a specific head coach has won these many national championships. You know, usually you do like top fives or top tens for just teams over a stretch. Just for a coach to be in one spot anymore for 15 consecutive years is a hell of a run. But to win six national championships in that window, uh, this sort of, I think, underscores that part of this whole deal as well. That's going to do it for the latest edition of the Bama Online Podcast. Once again, we appreciate you joining us here on the show. We appreciate you joining us right there on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the world. At BamaOnline.com, man, you really need to do it right now because Hank South's got that 
He's got that real-time thread for this weekend's upcoming Junior Day event on the recruiting trail for Alabama, and he's updating that thread constantly. So you need to jump on board with us right now at BamaOnline.com. Thanks once again for joining us, and we'll do it again real soon. So long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.